If you have a copy of God's Word with you, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7, and we are going to continue our series. If you are visiting with us, um, just and for those of you who are folks here at River Bend, we're in the middle of a series of sermons that I have entitled Route 66. And uh, we're actually in the third installment of that series. We are now looking at prophets and kings, but Route 66 is after that glorious highway, so to speak, that is called Route 66, or that was called Route 66. It doesn't touch every state of the United States of America, but it goes through the, the, uh, the heartland. It is the bare bones, so to speak, of our nation. And so with that in mind, we are taking a look at all 66 books, the story of the 66 books, the meta narrative, the overarching story of scripture. And we are walking through major segments. And today we find ourselves in 2 Samuel chapter 7, 2 Samuel chapter 7. And before I read it for us, um, let me just ask you a question. How many of you are planners? Meaning you plan. You you plan. I mean, we have color-coded weekly schedules that are planned out. It is an awesome thing, and it just kind of makes your day and your week just go great because you plan. And for those of us who don't plan, we, we know people who are planners. Um, we, we know people who plan out their eight to five work day. We know people who plan out their meals for the next 17 years. We, we know people who have even taken up the task to plan out vacations so that every moment of said vacation is filled. Isn't that when it's supposed to be like relaxation time? I don't know. But this morning, we are going to look at some plans. We're going to see these plans. And right at the beginning, just give you where we are and what's happening. Right at the beginning, we're going to see some plans that have been in the mind of a man, in the mind of the king, David, But then we're going to see those plans spoken of, and then we will see God's plans. And after God shares his plans with David, and he shares his plans with us, I want you to see the action of David, because that too should be our action. Okay? So I'm going to read the verses for us, and um, there are... 28, 29 verses, I believe. So let's hear the account in 2 Samuel chapter 7 of God's covenant with David. Now when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, call Joanna and Chip Gaines and shiplap everything. That's 
2018. Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go, tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? I've not lived in a house since the day that I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore... Thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people, Israel, and their own place, to dwell in their own place, so that they may dwell in their own place, and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. Verse 11, from the time that I appointed you, excuse me, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision. Nathan spoke to David. Then, verse 18 states, Then, King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a, for a great while to come. And this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God, because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore, therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you and there is no God beside you according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people Israel, that 
One nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be His people, making Himself a name and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, a nation and its gods. And you established for yourself your people Israel to be your people forever. And you, O Lord became their God, and now, O Lord God, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, and do as you have spoken. And your name will be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God. And your words are true. You have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you. May it please you to bless the house of your servant. So that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, you have spoken and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an episode before you. The plans of this king, your king over Israel, and your plans colliding, and then your action, your plan coming forth. God, may that be so with every single one of us in this room. Father, would you speak this morning and draw us close to you? May we hear you. May we be listening for you to speak in our lives just as David was in his. And Father, after we see the plan, may our confession be the same as his. God, would you use these moments to drive this truth, your truth, your word, deep into my heart, deep into our lives today. May we see you. May we know you. I ask it in your son's name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Two points. As we look at At this covenant that God has for David. The first point is this, that plans are made and a decision for action comes down. Plans are made. You and I have plans. Maybe those plans are are loose plans. Maybe those plans are strict plans and they are well thought out. But you and I have plans. And David had a plan. He had a plan in his heart that he would build God a house. And God had a plan. And God's plan and David's plan were different. But these plans are made, but finally, as these plans are are being fleshed out, as these plans are coming out, there is a decision that comes from it as well. As, As I was thinking about 
this and reading over this passage, I thought this question, why does David want God to, to have a house? Why? Why does David right now at this time want God to have a house? I don't know the, the entirety of the reason. I thought of a fork and back four up scripturally, I believe, for us this morning. But let me spend just a moment or two telling you the four reasons why I think 2 Samuel chapter 7 is in Scripture and why we have this in front of us today. The first is this. I believe that he did love, honor, and adored God. He wanted that love, that adoration, that honor to be seen. And so therefore he was like, what can I do? What can we do as Israel? What, what can happen? What can take place? What could there be to show our love? And I'm reminded of some words that he wrote, words that will be on the screen for us to look at. But in Psalm chapter 34, David penned these words concerning God. He said this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. He continues, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name forever. Excuse me, together. I can't read this morning. I sought the Lord. He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. I love this verse. If you don't have this verse in your memory, this is the verse you need to have memorized. This might be March's verse. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. He goes on and says, Oh, the fear of the Lord. You, his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer and want, uh, suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord, they lack no good thing. Come, oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear. Of the Lord. David loved God. He adored God and he wanted that adoration and that love to be seen. So therefore, he says, let me build him a house. Second, I believe David looked around and he saw the culture. He looked around and saw all those enemies that, that God had caused him to take over. He looked around and saw the Philistines. He looked around and saw all those ites and their nations. And he saw that they had houses for their gods. And his God, he knew, was greater than their gods. So therefore, he's like, my God needs to have a house. Third reason why I believe David 
wanted to build a house. And I believe that this one and the last one is where you and I need to make sure we're not in the same. I believe that David wanted to build a house for God out of fear. David was afraid. He was afraid that the same thing that happened to Saul would happen to him. And he thought in his mind, if I could build him a house, there is no way that he will ever erase me out of this story. If I can do that, if I can give God a permanent house, there's no way that he can do that, what he did to Saul. I don't want to happen to me what happened to Saul, so therefore what can I do to assure that? Which goes right in store with the fourth reason, I believe, that might have come up in his mind as a reason, and that is pride. Look, I'm king. Look, Lord, I, I, I have done this for you. I did this for God. And as I was thinking about that, one of the mornings this past week that I had in my time with the Lord was in Job chapter 38. And if you have not spent any time in Job lately, it is an awesome passage. Because in Job chapter 38, after all this time, after all the trials and all the, the bickering back and forth between friends, God shows up and starts to speak to Job. And if you ever want to see the proverbial mic drop in Scripture, it is Job chapter 38 through 42. It is verse after verse, mic drop after mic drop after mic drop. It is occurring. Let me just draw your attention to a couple of verses. Job had some, some issues and God was bringing those issues out. And maybe you and I have this same issue. But in Job chapter 38 verse 2 it states this, Who is this that darkens the counsel by words without knowledge? Hey, dress for action like a man. L let me question you, and you make it known to me. Mic drop number one. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know this. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or, or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther, and here shall your, your proud waves be stayed. Have, have you commanded the morning since your days began? God continues through His speech. He talks about the months of the year. He talks about 
He talks about mountain goats calving. Hey, were you there? Do you know the months of the year that the mountain goats calve? calve? Do you know when that is? Do you know when they bend over and they start giving birth? Do you know that, Job? Then he talks about stuff that boys love and girls not so much, mostly. He talks about behemoth. And he talks about Leviathan. You're like, what in the world is that? That's not Barbie and Ken. No. But he talks about those things. And he said, Job, were you there? No. In essence, the same for David. David, you hear the words that God has for him? David, let me just tell you something, son. Since the moment that I took these people out of Egypt, and I led them to the promised land, I have lived in tents. It has not stopped me from doing anything. It has not stopped me from blessing them. It has not helped me. It has not hindered me. I have done my work. There is no house, no house that you could build that would help me do anything. So stop it. For you and for me today. Here's the reminder. God doesn't need us to do anything. He invites you and He invites me. He invites us to be a part of His plan. But know this. Know this about His plan. If you and I don't accept His invitation to be a part of His plan, there is somebody right next to you, right next to me, right down the road from you, right down the road from me that will. And His plan will not change if you or I will not accept that invitation to join Him. Works don't work. Works for God to bring you close to Him actually do the opposite. If you are working your way to get close to God, you are actually putting up a wall of separation between you and Him. Because works to get to God don't work. And when David hears the plan, and when David understands these works that he has such great plans for in his mind, will not do what he wants, everything changes. And over the next five minutes, I hope everything would change for us as well. Not only are plans made and action brought about, but second, we see that confessions are lifted up They are lifted up acknowledging God's character. If you go look for the definition of confession and how you and I normally use that word, it is if we are confessing something that is wrong. We are confessing our sin. We are confessing iniquity. We are confessing things that have happened, that we have done, that we have been a part of that was wrong. But that's not the all all of the definitions of confession. Confessions are also statements of faith. They are pillars of this faith. And that is exactly what is going on in David's prayer. There is this confession. Let me walk us through the second half of this chapter. 
states this, Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. Where did he go? He went in the tent. He went and sat before the altar of the Lord. He went in and sat as close as he possibly could. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you did that? Just go on record, no show of hands. You can't do that with Dora in the background blaring in the next room. You can't do that going up 55 to work or coming home down 55 from work. For you and for me to sit before the Lord, for us to come close to Him, it's going to take something from you. It's going to take some time. I've had this passage of Scripture lined out for a few weeks now, and I knew that this was going to come up. And, and the whole last few weeks, I've just been not giving Him time. And I said, I, I can't stand before you, Lord, before these folks. And um, so the other night, I was awoken from sleep for some reason. I have teenagers in my home, and I was awoken from sleep. And um, went and told them to hush, and went, got back in bed. And then I just laid in bed, and I started talking to him. And something had happened that day, and I said, Lord, would you, would you do that for me? What happened? And um, there was silence, and I was like, all right, this ain't going to happen in bed, so we're going to get up. And so for the next couple of hours in the middle of the night, there was nothing happening except some rain coming down. And I just opened the Word. And I just started reading and praying and reading and praying and reading and praying and saying, Lord, would you do this? I'm not going to move until I know for sure that you will do this. And I just sat there. It's like, all right, am I going to... Go try to learn another verse in Philippians. Nope, I'm just going to sit here. Lord, will you do this? I believe that you will do this. Will you do this? And I believe that David sat before the Lord and all those plans in his mind that he wanted for God and for a house. And he hears God say, I'm not going to let you do that. But here's what I will do. I will build a, a name for you. I will build a house for you, David. It's not what you can do for me. You can't do anything for me. But let me do something for you. And God answered the prayer. And when that happened, the king went and sat before the Lord. Who am I? Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought us thus far? And yet, this is a small thing in your eyes. It means absolutely minuscule to you for me. But you have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while. David sat before the Lord. He drew close and he spent some time with Him. He went to God in worship to know what he wanted what God wanted, not what David wanted, not what you want, 
But what does God want? What does God want on a February Sunday in 2018? What does God want this week? He has a plan. It's already laid out. It's color-coded and everything. Will you join Him in that plan? Or will you kick up, uh, up against Him with your plan? If you and I would get this in verse number 17, verse number 18, if we would get that, we could stop. And, and I wouldn't even have to use the next three minutes to go through the rest. But some of us, like myself, are hard-headed, so we need to go through the rest. David says, I'm small, and my house is small, but that's nothing to you. God works so you and I can see it. He brings it all about, verse 21 states, because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant, to make us know it. And then I love verse 23. Don't get past 23. 23 is the whole of Scripture. Why I picked out this passage is because of verse 23. And who is like your people Israel? The one nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be His people. If you don't get anything else out of Scripture, please know this, that God acted on your behalf so that you might be His people. He took it upon Himself so that you and I might be redeemed. We might be bought back. We might have a right relationship with Him. It states it right here. For you and for me to understand this, this is the gospel that God acted on your behalf so that you and I might be a family, sons and daughters of His. God acted. He went and redeemed. This is the point of absolutely everything. So what's the action? What's, what's the statement for you and for me today? The statement is this. You and I need to sit before the Lord. Period. For you to know His plan. For it not just to be another Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, week, whatever. You and I need to sit before the Lord until He says, here's what I want you to do, Brian. Here's what I'm going to do for you, Brian. Here's where I want you to be. Here's what I want you to say. Here's what I want you to do. I believe that the Lord knew that we would spend time in 2 Samuel chapter 7 today. And I also believe that the Lord has something to say to you as an individual and to us as a body. So my challenge for you and my challenge for myself and us is this. Sit before Him this week. Maybe it means that you lose a couple of hours of sleep one night. Maybe it means that you wake up before everybody and everything in your house and it is still and quiet and you just spend some time. He'll speak. 
He spoke in 2 Samuel chapter 7. He spoke all the way through His Word. He will speak even today to you and to me. And may your thought be this from that David. Oh, taste and see. Hey, River Ben, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that He is good. David tasted and he saw and said, Lord, you, you're great. There's no one like you. There is, there is nothing like you. And I bow and I, I will do whatever you want. Those plans in the trash can. Whatever you want me to do. Father, as, Lord, as we see your word, Father, it's easy for me, and I believe that it's easy for us. I believe that it's easy for us to, to say, yeah, that happened so long ago, but, but not in 2018. Not, not with me. It, it could happen with David, but not with me. Lord, I believe that it is easy for us to say that, and it's easy for us to believe that. But I also believe, Father, that it is a lie from your enemy. You desire us to be close. You have done everything for us to be close. For there to be no separation. You gave us your Spirit. Father, may we, the people in this room this morning, may we know that. May we live that out. May we desire that. May we chase after You. Not stuff that we can do for You, but may we chase after You and You alone. And may we live differently because we have You. Not stuff about You, but because we have You. God, You are so close. So close. God, I look past you all the time. You are that close. God, I believe that everyone in this room, we look past you for stuff about you. And you are you're right there in front of my face, in front of our faces. God, may we have you, see you, not move without you. Sir, ma'am, students this morning, the invitation is for you to respond. Respond back to the Lord. He is calling you to come close. Maybe you've never accepted Him as Savior and Lord. Let me introduce you to Him. He loves you so much that He paid the price for you. Those of us who know Him as Savior and Lord, let's stand. All of us, let's stand and let's respond back to Him. For He is good. Amen?